Auga. <laughs> cool. Uh. <laughs> hey, welcome to Snackdown. I'm Justin, and this is Andy. <laughs> and we've started it. There we go. We're moving on. We're moving on towards this strange episode. Not too strange. Not too strange. It's just kind of uh, just like a little change up. A little oh, fun. quick change up this afternoon. So uh, I always kind of ask you when you take the lead on this sort of thing. Where did the hell did this come? from? <laughs> So we were going to, it's a drink week. We of Last course. week we did Indian food. We mm-hmm. had a little bit too much food, oh. I think. <laughs> now we might go for a little I too much I went to drink. sleep right after that for a while. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. I had to drive and then put kids to bed and yeah. whatever. <laughs> I really wanted You're to like, sleep. I was like, bye. And then I sat down on the couch and then it was like, it was like evening. Yeah. Oh, Anyways, so we were going to do some drinks this week. And yes. a lot of times I kind of take the lead on drinks. And uh, we were going to do a brandy week. And we probably will still do that eventually. 100%. Um, yeah, we need to. But while I was looking up brandy cocktails and stuff like that, I came across a name of a person. <laughs> and some of you may know this if you're well into drinks. Some of you may not. But he's known as the patron saint of cocktails. This is not condoned by the Catholic Church, by the way. <laughs> no, he's not right up there with uh, the other saints. Saint. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know what. Uh, saint, saint Julep of. Of mints. <laughs> of Mincia, which is like a. <laughs> The liberated state it is dated 640 <laughs> yeah. AD. Right. Okay. So he, his name is Jerry Thomas, and he was the first bartender that kind of made bartendering. Bartendering? <laughs> mixology. Bartending? Yeah. <laughs> he was the first bartender that kind of made that profession. Kind of wacky. And wacky crazy. and crazy and fun and actually like cool to go see. Yeah. He was one of the people that started like juggling Bottles and using fire on things, and he was um uh early Americana proto bohemian bartender. Yeah, it's kind of like I don't like... know if any of that it makes has any, like holds up historically at all. <laughs> he kind of brought it seemed no, like bohemian era became I don't know. When you read good. about him, it kind of sounded like almost like going to see like a street magician, yeah. or carnival type, but like well before David Blaine, yeah. And so he kind of made... What's, the, what's Chris? Chris... Chris Angel. Yeah. Mind freak. You know, like <laughs> I dump. can float. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, don't. No, don't look off to the side. Don't. No. Just quit moving. Okay, I'm coming down. Okay. <laughs> but he kind of made the profession of bartending like a legitimate job almost. Like something that people wanted to go see and like it made going to the bar more of an event than just getting a drink. He made it more performative. Yeah. And he was also... I don't know if you, you've said this yet. No, no, no. You go. Never mind. Go. I was going to say, at his peak, he was making more money than the vice president. For real? Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> As a bartender. He is uh, true to central New York, too. Yeah. He has his roots in, you know, upstate New York, just west of Watertown in Sackets Harbor. Yep. And I thought that was really cool. He dabbled in a lot of things. He was a sailor, and then he was like, I think he mined for gold in the gold rush. Yeah, that's what sent him out west in the first place, I believe. Yeah. So. And then he got into bartending, and then he published a book in 1876, I think. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time a drink book had ever been published. In the United States. In the United States, yeah. yeah. And he put to pen a lot of classic cocktails for the first time. Like at the Tom Collins, I guess that was the first time. And he kind of wrote down a bunch of... They're called flips and fizzes and... Juleps. Lots of juleps. Lots of juleps. Um, then he's got his own weird alt- alternative section. So Justin and I were able to... So Justin was like, hey, you got a minute? I'm like, yeah, I got some time. And you're like, <laughs> all right, go down this rabbit hole. I said, do you have time to rabbit hole for me? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I got time to rabbit hole. So um, so I found like a, a digital copy of his actual, like the book. Like the, I think it was a, must have been one of the original books, yeah. right? And um, so it's all scanned and everything and... It's got the original commercials and like advertisements that mm-hmm. were like kind of probably made the printing of it a lot cheaper and probably got them a little extra cash. Do you want to do you want to read them or no? <laughs> I think we should. They're pretty funny. Do, do you want to? Hey, let's let's get started on the first drink and then kind of go down that hole. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. So this first drink is an Andy. <laughs> we were looking through the book, like he just said, trying to find like, okay, how can we do this? Some classic drink or something that we could do that would do this justice, this episode justice. Yeah. And Andy was just like, let's do absinthe. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't think that we were going to find an episode that was going to be like a pure absinthe episode. And we are probably going to move a little bit away from 
how he did it but i think it's just truly like in his nature i mean absinthe was just kind of like blown out of proportion in terms of you know it's like hallucinogenic effects like that sort of thing like that was really glorified and really not true but i thought it would be pretty cool just to kind of have like almost like a you know just drinking absinthe in celebration of a bartender that's also very performative so yeah. so let's do it right so so his i, I will read his instructions for um, absinthe this is number 210 for his recipes use small bar glass one wine glass of absinthe i don't know what that means what a weird measurement he, he's using he uses a lot of wine glass measurements mm-hmm. and then pour water drop by drop until the glass is full never use a spoon which i see a lot of people when they're drinking absinthe or, or preparing absinthe that they're dropping water over a over a spoon like a slotted spoon with a sugar cube in there so in true snack down fashion we don't have a slotted spoon because why you know what i mean uh so we are adapting as we always do and so we're just using a spoon and we're using sugar a sugar cube and it's a sugar in the raw sugar cube so uh, this is a raw absinthe snack down raw (laughs) it's uh it's kind of a wrestling reference (laughs) oh (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah so uh we've got some ice cold water we've got spoons with sugar cubes this doesn't look like a full wine glass of that do you want a little more (laughs) no no me neither Um, well let's let's do this so just kind of slowly so you pour the water oh pour the water over over the spoon you're supposed to really do it kind of slowly so they're like oh yeah and the absinthe transforms it's like oh do you mean Gets sugar and water in it. What am I doing? I'm pouring it into this cup, not even into the absinthe. You didn't even notice I was doing that, did you? No. Uh, so the first time I ever had absinthe, they had this like big contraption that was like almost like a water wheel, and it was like mm-hmm. spinning water onto a sugar cube. And then when it was done, you just lifted it off and then you drank it. I'm gonna add a little bit more water to mine, and then I'm gonna take a couple sips. So all it does is get cloudy, honestly. But I'd say. Go nuts and have a little sippy poo. Do you like black licorice? Yes, you do. Not really. Hmm. Me neither. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say you don't because you like got the black licorice jelly beans just to prove to me that it wasn't good. Guess what this is going to taste like. Black licorice. Yeah. I don't mind black licorice. Do you like it this much? Hmm. It's pretty good. In the realm of black licorice, this is the best. Yum. Kalen is going to love this. (laughs) Yeah. So read on there uh, on the... Absinthe bottle. This is St. George Absinthe. It tells you what herbs are in there. Oh, nice. Along with uh, fine brandy. So this is kind of brandy. Do you want me to read it out loud? What it is? Yeah. So they use fine brandy, star anise, of course, right? Mint, wormwood. I think the wormwood kind of adds that bitterness at the end. Lemon balm, hyssop, hyssop, H-Y-S-S-O-P. Are you looking it up? I think uh, hyssop branch is what they beat Jesus with. They beat Jesus with it? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> it is. The second definition of hyssop. 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 A small bushy aromatic plant of the mint family, the bitter mm. minty leaves of which are used in cooking and herbal medicine. Basil, fennel, tarragon, and what was the last ingredient? Stinging nettles. Oh, wow. What the shit? (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That Uh, Star anise and stinging nettles. You know that thing that you avoid in the forest? Put it in your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) It's the correct kind of sting. (laughs) Now, now. Mm, More stinging nettles, please. I hear if you get the, um, they've got the uh, absinthe gold. And that actually has, instead of stinging nettles, it has just straight up poison ivy in there. (laughs) Oh, nice. Uh, and, and so so on the bottle, it's a... That'll give you the hallucinations. It's a picture of like a, a monkey or some sort of primate. Playing drums with a human skull. Playing drums with, with bones as drumsticks on a human skull. That image kind of looks, reminds me of like an old apothecary shop type mm-hmm. logo. Mm-hmm. Mm. What do you think about this? I think this is pretty good. It makes me warm inside. It's actually kind of a cold day today. Uh, yeah. Andy told me earlier, it's going to be 73 today. I think it's only like 62. You know. 11 degrees of a lie. <laughs> <laughs> so this is 60% ABV. Yeah, this is why you kind of get a little crazy of absinthe. Because if you're not aware of that, I think, you might pour yourself the same amount. Say you're like a whiskey drinker. Oh, I drink a finger or two of whiskey. Pour yourself that much absinthe. Yeah. That's uh Knocked out. Yeah. So That's a part of you don't remember very well. Except next time you smell black licorice or... Black jelly beans, you're just like... How many people get turned off by the smell of this because of an experience they had? 
get turned off by what smell? You know how if something made you throw up or sick, yeah. and you smell it again, you're like, oh, yeah. you, you bring, it brings back all those memories? Yeah. I bet absence is like that for a lot of people. There's nothing like it in terms of smell. Well, no, And then that's someone's not like, true. good and plenty? And you're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is pretty good. What do yeah, you think? Yeah, I like this. I had this a couple of years ago and like during a meal. Mm-hmm. It was kind of, it was a work event. And it was kind of like one of my first work events. So I was like, I'm going to get the weirdest thing ever. So, and it was like a small plates, you know, sort of tapas sort of style. Mm -hmm. And so I got like a quail, (laughs) something else. And then they're like, what do you want to drink? And I'm like, let's pick the weirdest beep, boop, boop, absinthe. And it was like, that doesn't go well with meals really. (laughs) So it just, it tasted out of place. I just kind of sent it around the table and people were like, that tastes kind of funny. Hmm. Yeah, but I would say it tastes like small batch liquid good and plenty. Mm. I, I could get down with that. Yeah. You know, now that I'm, I'm taking the time to drink this, it is way more complex than just black licorice. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't really taste the mint. I mean, I, I think mint just kind of pairs with mm-hmm. anise. I mean, it kind of has like a general like cool flavor to it. Yeah. But that could be a lot of the... That could be a lot of the I herbs. bet a lot of these other herbs are there to mellow out the star anise. Mm. Because the star anise is so prevalent. I would think, honestly, to, to mellow out the wormwood. Really? Yeah, because the wormwood's so bitter. Maybe it's all to mellow out the nettles. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Too much nettles in this batch. Add more mint. <laughs> and it all just started where they're like, we need to add something to this. What is it, cognac? Yeah. Go it's ahead. brandy. Oh, brandy. They probably... They're like, man, this is some pretty harsh, cheap brandy. We need to add something to kind of make it taste a little different. And then it was just like, whoa, we need to balance this with this. Whoa, we need to steer it in the other direction. <laughs> You no. <laughs> well, it says, where is it? Um, I thought I read it on here. Yes, yes, the monkey banging on the human skull. No. That it said it took them years to like tamper with it to get the recipe right. Anyways. Anyways, this is fantastic. Yeah, it's really good. So, do you want to read one of the advertisements? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you get to pick one first. Actually, you read an advertisement from the front, and I'll read an advertisement from the back. So there's a, an old book. It's called The Art and Etiquette of Making Love. Which is strange. There's a picture of like, looks like two young children leapfrogging over each other. Yeah, like two young naked children leapfrogging over yeah, each other. Yeah, which is kind of strange. Uh, it's called The Manual of Love, Courtship, and Matrimony. But the chapters or sections of this book are how to cure bashfulness, how to commence a courtship, how to please a sweetheart or lover, how to write a love letter, how to pop the question, how to act before and after a proposal, how to accept or reject a proposal, how to break off an engagement, how to act after an engagement, how to act as a bridesmaid or groom, and in fact, how to fulfill every duty and meet every contingency connected with courtship and matrimony. It also includes a choice collection of sensible letters suitable for all the contingencies of love and courtship. I want to read two specific uh, popular books sent free of postage at the prices an- uh, annexed. You ready for it? Mm-hmm. The Mishaps and Adventures of Obadiah Old Buck. This humorous and curious book sets forth with 188 comic drawings, the misfortunes which befell Mr. Oldbuck, and also five unsuccessful attempts to commit suicide. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't read this part. His hairbreadth escapes from fire, water, and famine. His affection for his poor dog, ETC. To look over this book will make you laugh and you can't help it. Watching Mr. Obadiah Oldbuck try to commit suicide. (laughs) Okay, and then we go to... <laughs> I'm just imagining this Mr. Obadiah Obuck as a real person. Yeah. And this cartoonist is literally falling around in his life. Mm-hmm. And every time he trips or falls, the guy's like, ha, <laughs> is mm-hmm. drawing it. But the guy's also uh, trying to make it so that he doesn't commit suicide because... Well, maybe he's committing, trying to commit suicide because this cartoonist is falling Oh, him. okay, I got you. Like, stop following me. IRL bullying. Not yeah. online bullying because this is obviously 1876. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is Uncle Josh's Trunk Full of Fun, <laughs> containing a rich collection of comical stories, crude cells, side-splitting jokes, humorous poetry, quaint parodies, and burlesque sermons, new conundrums, mirth-provoking speeches, curious puzzles, amusing card tricks, and astonishing feats of parlor magic. Nice. Like, it's got everything. Can you imagine how painful splitting your side would be from laughing? Yeah. I would I, I would assume that's called a hernia. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> back to Jerry Thomas. Yeah. We were actually going to go see his grave. Turns out it's not here. And he's like, you want to go see his grave? And I'm like, I guess. And he's like, we could do a rubbing. <laughs> and I was like, we're not going to go rubbing this guy's grave. 
Not robbing, rubbing. Yeah, like we're going to take pencils and crayons and... Yeah, why the hell not? Know, if that, that guy was local, like, why not? Like disrespectful? Kind of disrespectful? No. I don't know. Anyways, we didn't because his grave is in Manhattan. Bronx. Bronx. His grave's in the Bronx. <laughs> so I'm stupid. And I, I go, oh, he it looks like he's buried at Woodlawn Cemetery. There's Woodlawn Cemetery right there. There's probably Syracuse. 10 Jerry Thomases there. And there's probably like thousands of Woodlawn Cemeteries in the United States. Yeah. So Jerry Thomas's famous drink, which we're not going to do, is called the Blue Blazer. Why aren't we doing that drink? So, well, the drink is basically taking whiskey. Yes. Lighting it on fire. Well, and boiling water, too. Whiskey and boiling water, lighting it on fire and passing it back and forth between two cups so you're making an arc of blue flame. Yeah. And and if you're good enough, like he was, it looks like it's a continuous flame, like it doesn't Mm -hmm. ever stop. Yeah. It's all part of his showmanship. Yeah. And that was kind of like his famous cup. And you would go, I guess the flavor is pretty decent, but I think you would go more to see him do this. Show I mean, it's just whiskey and boiling and so, water yeah. at that point. And then maybe like a little bit of a burnt sort of thing. So when we were looking up, he also made famous something called a flip, which yes. we're not doing a flip, but a flip is when you pass a cocktail back and forth between two glasses. And something about that makes it kind of creamier or mm-hmm. smoother. So possibly taking the water and the whiskey and doing what he was doing. That's I wonder if burning adds flavor, you yeah. think? Yeah, it does. It would make the whiskey a little bit smokier maybe. I don't know. Toasty, maybe? Maybe toasty is toasty, the right word. That's a, that's a better word. So most of the flips had egg in them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the with the blue blazer. Andy wanted to get really go for it. He's like, I'll bring my gloves. And yeah, yeah, yeah. it specifically in says in there. This is for professionals. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. says practice with cold water Yeah, many times until you get good at it. And yeah. Andy was going to go right for it with gloves. And everywhere that I saw about the blue blazer, they were like, do not do this if you've already been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After you've had a couple absents, let's do the blue blazer. Yeah. So another another aspect of it is that it's blue. It's a very like dim burning blue, right? It's just hot. It's hot, but it also probably wouldn't film well, especially if we were going to do it outside in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. You, you probably wouldn't be able to tell. So it would just be a video of me wearing super dumb gloves, goggles, pouring it probably in between two Pyrexes, and then us just being like, whoa, don't get burnt. And you're like, and then you're eh, you missing, can't even and tell. it goes on the ground, and there's yeah. a little bit of fire on the ground, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we're like stomping a, it out. Yes, and... I'm stomping it out, and then it just smells like burnt grass. But what the listener and, and viewer would probably miss is the very faint glow of blue yeah. flame. You would and not also, we that. didn't have the right glasses, I don't believe. We were looking for pewter glasses. For like the for like the passing of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Does it matter the glass for the fire? I don't think so. I think it's just kind of like flame resistant. <laughs> They're not like, take your finest wooden goblets. <laughs> Fill them up. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Maybe we'll do that someday. But yeah. I'm going to be sober and it's going to be pitch black or near black. So part of his like showmanship thing, I guess, he would have a pair of pet rats. He had yes. white rats. Yeah, would frolic around on his shoulders, and he wore like a black bowler hat, and he would sometimes decorate his bar with billiard tables and colossal paintings of himself mixing drinks. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Quite a character. That's like very flamboyant for the time, especially, mm-hmm. I would say. Pretty awesome, you know? Yeah. I think before that, though, I mean, you don't really get much, at least in my, the, like your local bar, like mm. here, there's not much showmanship in bartending. It's They yeah. kind of just pour you the drink and... Uh, some you know some of the fancy places. Yeah, yeah it I depends get that. on where you go. There is a speakeasy here that mm-hmm. I haven't gone to yet, and I kind of want to go just to see the fits. Yeah, yeah, what it's like. We but should go sometime. I think he kind of made going out for a drink kind of more special. of a thing because it was a special. You kind of get not necessarily a show, but it's kind of it is. Performing. It kind of made it an art form, like a performing art, instead of pouring beer for someone. I'm sure he didn't invent it, but he did yeah. popularize it, mm-hmm. and the fact that. It's printed with his name on it in 1878, and that was the first one that was like cocktails. And it wasn't just like James Johnson's, mm-hmm. you know, you know, uh, you know, list of cocktails. It was like, I mean, he doesn't have, he's got a pretty boring ass name too. But, but he also added the blue blazer. He added like something that was performative yeah. right in the in the cocktail book, mm-hmm. right? So uh, he's like, oh, you're gonna copy this, okay? But that's mine, and it's gonna look a little bit yeah. like the circus, you know? Which is, you know, so and then also the rat thing, like. People don't usually have rats in the bars on purpose these days, yeah. but uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he ran four saloons in New York City. Wow. 
but says he developed elaborate and flashy techniques of mixing cocktails, sometimes while juggling bottles, cups, and mixers. He often wore flashy jewelry and had his bar tools and cups embellished with precious stones and metals. He was he was into himself, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. You're kind of into yourself. I mean, if point. you have paintings of yourself mixing beer or drinks behind you while you're mixing drinks, who's yeah. the guy in the painting? Me. And like the... <laughs> And then, like, he has to get out, like, the drink. He has to start making the cocktail that he was making. And he's like, do you see the resemblance now? <laughs> I thought this absinthe was pretty cool. Yeah. I think the, the mint is actually... So the anise flavor, the licorice flavor, has kind of subsided. And then I'm kind of getting some cool stuff on, like, the back end, you know, in terms of, like, um, I am getting mint. Like, almost like a spearmint sort of flavor. Yeah, more spearmint. Yeah. It doesn't specify what kind of mint, so it could be more of a spearmint. Mm-hmm. But it's it's interesting. I like it. It's pretty smooth. Yeah, honestly, yeah. And we, I mean, we, you know, we're not using like this highly refined sugar for it. Mm-hmm. It is sugar in the raw. I don't know if that kind of mellowed things out. You know, just kind of being kind of a less pure sugar. When you compare something like absinthe to, say, Fermanet Branca, things that have that are very like herbal based. Yeah, this is a lot more flavorful and smooth than the Fermanet yes. Branca, which is very bitey. Very bitey, very bitter. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, Fernet Bronco's like, we've got tons of bitter, you know, of uh, We've put them all in. in. Yeah, we've got tons of herbs, and it's like, yeah, but medicinal, not, like, yummy. Yeah. You know, the, these are pretty yummy besides, like, the stinging nettle. Holy cripes. Yeah. What are they thinking? <laughs> yeah. Get so. your insides all full of yeah. pustules. Yeah. I feel really tingly inside. That's the nettle. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the 60% ABV. That is 100% the stinging nettle, so... <laughs> Uh, do you want to take a break? Uh, I don't think we're gonna get. Um, I don't think we're gonna get burnt. But we we are gonna um, we are gonna actually make something out of the book, and uh, we we hope you like it. I doubt any of you have had it before. Yeah, it's different to us. We didn't really notice it before, and it's gonna be a little bit different just because his measurements in there are just kind of strange. Sometimes he measures something with a do, which we yeah. don't know what that means. A drink ounce. Maybe it's f- short for dollop, like ice cream. A dollop of brandy. <laughs> that sounds disgusting. What? Is Could you imagine? No, I, I looked up Dio. Yeah, try it. See. Could you imagine like a dollop of ice of uh, brandy just like plopping? Brandy shouldn't plop. Yeah, nothing. I can't find anything. Well, we'll be back. Yeah. Anyways, we'll be back with a drink that is from this 1876 drink book, and we'll see how it goes. We'll see in a bit, and hopefully, we don't see any pink elephants in the meantime, because we're hallucinating. <laughs> See you in a bit. Bye. (laughs) And we're (laughs) back. We are back (laughs) with... So this uh, has a couple snack down additions, or uh, <laughs> not additions, but... Well, let's just say what it is first. Change up. And, and kind of, you know, let's say what it is and kind of talk about it and just kind of, you know what I mean? So this is a what? A white lion? Yeah. So in his book, it is number 176. In case you're wondering? In case you need to reference it. Uh, how did we make this drink our own? <laughs> this used different measurements, which we had to like kind of delve to find out what they were. Which was cool. And he was right on one of them, at least. Yeah. Uh, it kept calling for a wine glass or half a wine glass. That's how the, his recipes are. Yeah. So, you know, when you're really good at bartending, you probably don't have to measure anymore. You kind of probably just, you're very quick at what you're doing. And you're very good at pouring. So, you know, he's probably just... Knows what half a wine glass is and a wine glass. But a wine glass technically is two ounces. Yeah. Which Andy was right on. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. He's like, eh, let's just do two ounces. And then (laughs) then he found it. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that is referenced in the book a lot is half, and then there's like a big space and it just says DO. Someone else is probably shouting, okay, snack down. Okay, we got it. You already knew that. You already uncovered the secret. Uh, it just means ditto, actually. So, you know, if it says ditto in one spot, you just go to the measurement for the one one previous, yeah. and then and then you just add it. So we were real confused as to what a do was. We're like a drinkable ounce. Uh... I think it was a female deer. Yeah. Actually, it's a do, actually. Oh, a yeah. do. One do of raspberry syrup. <laughs> yeah, so what is this in this drink? Uh, the first ingredient is rum, and then there's... Lime. Lime juice. Pulverized white sugar. Which Andy said we didn't need to pulverize? No, don't don't put this on me. <laughs> um, 
Curacao, however you say that. Yeah, the, I say Curacao. I don't know if that's correct. Oh, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of got like the and sloppy C in there. So I I have had blue Curacao before. Yeah. And these call for Curacao. So then I was looking. I was like, oh, I don't want blue Curacao. I want Curacao. And it turns out it's all just blue Curacao. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then raspberry syrup. So <laughs> Which, what do we do about the raspberry syrup? So we went to get raspberry syrup, and the whole shelf of raspberry syrup was gone. Or like the whole column. Yeah, there was like yeah, a yeah, column yeah, of yeah. raspberry. So next to it was blueberry ra- blueberry syrup and, ras- strawberry and strawberry syrup. And so we couldn't decide which one. So we- it was like, oh, let's just get both. And maybe we'll like make one of each or one of the other. So then we made... Blawberry. <laughs> Blawberry syrup. So that's what we're going with. Yeah, so it's and- a mixture of both blueberry and strawberry. And Instead of raspberry. We're sticking through this. So that's going to be our snack down. Maybe it's called a blawberry white lion. Yeah. So let's take a sip. It smells great, by the way. Hmm, interesting. That's what I was going to say, too. Yeah. Do you like it? I don't know. I'm trying to wrap my brain around it. It's very citrusy from the li- uh, from the lime juice. The rum kind of hits in a really weird, light way, mm-hmm. I guess. We There's... didn't use, like, the world's, you know, best rum. Yeah. That's fine. My good rum didn't have enough, and we didn't mm-hmm. want to mix. Mm-hmm. So we just used the standard, like, Barton's Gold Rum. The Blue Curacao, there's not much of it. No. But it worked out to be a total, like, between our two drinks of, like, a half a teaspoon. No, yeah. Yeah, there's a full teaspoon of it oh, between it, it, two. Okay, so, so each one has yeah. half a teaspoon. So five milliliters total yeah. of... And then they each have a half a teaspoon of blueberry. I still do get a fruity flavor, though, for having so little... Because cur- Blue Curacao is very fruity mm-hmm. in, like, a fake sugary, fruity Fruit Loops taste. And then you've got your little bit of real... Because the syrups that we got are real fruit syrups. The fruit syrups that we have uh, mm-hmm. have three ingredients. For as little syrup that's in here, there's seeds. Really? Yeah, see it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. All that blobbery. I would say, I feel like this would almost taste better with a... Sp- not a spice rum, but a dark rum. Yeah, I think so. I think it would have been better if with the rum that I had. Mm-hmm. The, the better rum that I had. Although when you look up like what a Santa Cruz... Uh, did it say Santa Cruz? Yeah, rum? I wanted Santa Cruz rum. So Santa Cruz rum is clear or very light rum. That's kind of I looked up like in terms of mixology of like what a Santa Cruz rum is and like where it's referenced. And a lot of it went back to Thomas Jerry. Hmm. Jerry Thomas? Thomas Jerry, Jerry Thomas. Jerry Thomas. It's it's all right. Oh, you wanted to try some straight curse out, didn't you? Yeah, we don't have to. <laughs> if if this was like a bomb drink, like I'd be like, Oh yeah. Like I wanna know what the essence of curse but like the fact that it also had such little curacao in it, not interested. Did you you say it right? Let's start with how you should not pronounce it. Curacao, curaco, curacao, curacao, cucarachao, curaciao. The correct way to say the name of a beautiful Caribbean island. And the world famous liquor is curacao. So it's it's curacao. 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 And curacao uh, is a liqueur flavored with dried peel of bitter orange. Lahara, a citrus huh. fruit grown on the Dutch Isle of Curacao. Try it now. After what? After it sat there for a while? Yeah. And after you kind of like got that rum flavor already in there. I think it's good. I think it's getting better. Mm-hmm. What I you think it's get, getting better as it gets colder. So this drink was shaken with no ice, which is kind of strange, and then it's poured over ice. Usually you drink, you shake it with ice and then pour it over ice. This tastes... Okay. Okay. Now take another sip. You know those uh, rocket popsicles with the red, white, and blue? Mm-hmm. Tastes like that a little bit. A little bit. I think it's a blue curso. Awesome. Should you now? Do you want to try it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so curacao is basically colorless, but you could also get blue curacao, which is basically just colored. It's not it doesn't add. It's not a different flavor from curacao. It's just colored blue. And I think now almost all curacao, at least that we can buy here, is blue. Have you ever had a lahara? A what? A lahara. It's a bitter orange. That's what, what blue is curacao is from. Made from is the lahara. Which is a, like a bitter orange. This is good. I like this. And to think, like, this is a drink that was available in at least 1876. Yeah, that's crazy. We always, I mean, because, you know, you and I had a couple episodes and, you know, really w- what we think of as, you know, a, a really enlightened period for drinking. I mean, th- there was, had to have been a lot more travel involved. But yeah. obviously, like, this was, this was hidden. And I think this, like, this could be enjoyed as a nice mm-hmm. modern drink, you know? Yeah, I mean, we think of the hot time for cocktails as, like, the 1920s, kind of. 
a lot of the when we do like drink history, kind of a lot of them go back to <laughs> kind of a cold time too. <laughs> yeah, it was a dark time for drinking. Yeah, but I mean things were popping in 1876 when Jerry Thomas was like flipping bottles and burning things. And... Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine like the ragers that he must have? Uh, yeah, I mean like people just swinging off of shit and like. I wonder if that's why. Uh, each other. So his profession kind of grew, and then. It died down because of the prohibition. Maybe he caused it. Yeah, that's what, what I'm just wondering. <laughs> like everything was going so crazy. You know, there's like it's like a circus every time you go to a bar. Yeah. Uh, like, and people were actually pouring half wine glass full of absinthe. The person who like started like the uh, abolitionist movement had like a snake like kind of slither into their drink and then back out of their drink and then they're just like absurd. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just they're just like we need to stop this. Yeah. I'm going to get some blue curacao. Okay. <laughs> curacao. So I've had a shot. I've had shots of blue curacao before. It's not very good. What, uh, it's very what, what Fruit Loop it? artificially flavored. It's not very much. That's oh, 15. I'll just do like a little tiny thing. Just a sips. Oh my gosh. It looks like uh, it looks like if we were to make like a fake, like if a, if a kid imagined what a, a scientific lab or chemist would look like he's doing or whatever. Yeah. Like if you have this like bubbling mm-hmm. in a beaker, it's like. Kid lab. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> eh. It's not bad. It's, it's syrupy. Do you taste the orange in it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You taste like taste like you taste like the orange peel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it tastes like a little bit of orange peel. <laughs> which is funny because I've had blue curacao before. And yeah, I didn't but... know what it was made out of. Uh-huh. And I don't think I really picked out the orange flavor until now. Yeah, it's okay. We I played a game called Drink Quest, which I have before. What is that? And Drink Quest is like a like a role playing tabletop type thing, and you roll dice to fight things. Is kind of like a. Is this a, wait? Hold on. Is this a role play tabletop drinking game? Yeah. So when you why have we not played this? <laughs> when you fight it, <laughs> when you fight a creature and you lose, you I think you take a shot, or you take a shot as like a healing potion, or when you oh die, you God, take a I'm shot. I'm looking this forget. up. Yeah. Can we be sponsored? I by have that? it. What's it called? drinking quest oh my god why are we not okay hold on okay so it calls for drinking it's funny because the instructions are like also you could use juice if you don't want to <laughs> that was like the disclaimer yeah it was a disclaimer but they call for drinking like beer and i didn't want a shotgun you know so much beer just makes your stomach feel too full it sounds nerdy as hell and pretty cool it is is it good yeah, it's fun can we play this during an episode <laughs> that would be kind of funny one to yeah can we do it <laughs> Maybe. Oh my God! Let's do this. <laughs> we have to have someone else play. It can't just be like you and me. Yeah. Okay. So we'll have to find something, someone else within we'll our. We'll get a guest at some point. And we'll within play our drinking quarantine quest. pod. Yeah. Hmm? So we'll get a guest at some point and we'll play drinking quest. Thursday with Katie. Thursday. Thursday. Drinking quest on a Thursday. Yeah. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Are you cutting this out? <laughs> it depends on if it works out. Don't or not. cut it. <laughs> If you cut it, it won't happen. <laughs> so what have you been up to lately? Uh, campering. Actually, I got to say, I, I don't know if I said this last time, I did my first brisket. Oh, yeah. You yeah, talked about I, maybe doing it. Brisket? You risked it on the brisket. I risked it on the brisket. And how did the risk go? Was it as good as Heffa's? It wasn't. But I have an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> so the cow was half Angus half Holstein, um, apparently it was a really fatty cow. And I think the goal was to just take as much and make it as lean as possible, you know, because it had really good marbling or decent marbling. And so they took all of the fat right on the cap of the brisket, which in my opinion is a huge no-no because then it's going to turn out dry as hell. So it was a little on the dry side. Um, Otherwise, the flavor came out great. So pretty much anytime I smoke something or anytime Lev smokes something, we call each other. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's so stupid. I did it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like before. Well, oh, before. Some, at some point, honestly. Like if I'm doing a pork shoulder, I've done pork shoulders a lot at this point. But uh, I, I talked to him before the brisket. <laughs> he was like, he was like, don't over season it. And like that was actually some of the best advice that I've had because um, it came out like the flavor is great, fantastic. And I just used um, salt and pepper. That's it. That's cool. Really Texas style. I did wake up at two thirty in the morning to do it. I didn't like that. Two <laughs> thirty in the morning. Two thirty. You might as well go see a dentist. Yeah. So well, I mean, so I put the meat on at four, 
but I did get up at 2.30. I think my, my kid woke up and then it was like, I was going to get up at 3.15 anyway to like start the fire and all that. But it was just kind of like, oh, this is annoying. But it took about, it took about 10 hours to smoke. Was it worth it? Yes. As an individual, I mean, I think it was like, I think it was okay. It's probably a good experience though. Great experience. Yeah. That's cool. What have you been up to, dude? Uh, a couple things. Here's a funny, not really funny. Yesterday I spent a hundred. I'll laugh like a lot. <laughs> Yesterday I spent a hundred dollars on a pre-order for a CD, an album. <laughs> what? What do you mean? Did you produce it? <laughs> so, <laughs> are you an investor the, at this point? What the, the hell? The lead going on? singer of the National, of course, is coming out with a solo album. So, and it comes hold on. out on. So you did a uh, GoFundMe. And you're getting like a T-shirt, and then like a signed something from him. So I'm getting a signed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a signed. It's like a special edition, like vinyl LP. It's of course, like three it's vinyls. Signed by him? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. You said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then it comes with some other stuff. There's like a. There's like lots of artwork. Cool. I think it comes with a coaster set too. That's kind of cool. Maybe a snack now. Yeah. Unless it's like a kind of like a cardboardy thing. No, they're like stone. Oh, yeah. With, like, his artwork on it. So he's always overdressed, isn't he? Yeah. You've told me that. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a Jerry Thomas-ish. Yeah. So getting back to the Jerry Thomas thing, I'm (laughs) looking at this Wikipedia. Yeah. So we think of him as uh, an American that kind of made cocktails and bartenders pretty big in America. There's a spot where he has, like, legacy and honors, and they've honored him and his legacy many times at different, like, hotels, and they've given him awards, and he's in the Museum of American Cocktail. But there's a... Jerry Thomas Speakeasy in Rome, Italy, named after him. I saw that. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. That's weird. He's of, I mean, obviously he's, he's of, of a good enough thing. ilk. Ilk? <laughs> <laughs> he's well known enough that it, his, his legacy goes beyond America. He's a well-known bartender, which is interesting. I can't wait, play, I can't wait to play an RPG with your, <laughs> where you're drinking next week. <laughs> <laughs> Stop throwing it in so I have to not cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> so also what i'm up to this is really cool not really so i read a lot of books right yeah and i don't know if you ever you don't read books you've heard a lot of good things i know <laughs> i uh recommending books is always a hard thing i mean okay recommending any sort of art is it's a, hard, a thing. hard thing but see so say you recommend a movie or a song there's a very quick commitment right? uh, yeah like you can pop on a song and say no i don't like this band or you can watch a movie or a show, and it's only like a, you can a cut snippet it off of your life. You can cut it off in yeah. 15 minutes. Or Recommending a book is a much more... Arduous uh, task? Yeah, because they're going to spend a lot more time in the book. That yeah. It's like a really waste of their time if they didn't like it. And also, there's so many... If someone says, oh, I like this book, there's so many parts of a book that they could like. So say they like a book, but it could be the setting that they liked, not necessarily how it was written. Or they could like the plot... Or the point of view. There's lots of different things. So I don't like recommending books because it's just hard to know what a person likes when you recommend a book. Just because you like it, someone else might not like it. Yes. This year I've just been on a roll of recommending books. (laughs) (laughs) So so what would you say your success rate is? Success rate? In terms of recommendation versus reading. This year? Yes. 100%. It's high. Yeah. I told you I'm on a roll. You haven't recommended any books to me. Is that because you're trying to keep your streak? <laughs> so here's what I've been up Have to. Have you ever read a book that you liked? Uh, do you remember like the Sabriel series? No. There was like, um, I think she was kind of like a necromancer or sort of like a sorceress. And she had like a bunch of bells on a sling. And she would like take out a bell and it would have a different effect. I don't know. It was kind of cool. I mean, so I don't So you're mind. more of like a fantasy, sci-fi. Yeah. Dare I say YA? First of all, excuse me. <laughs> I don't think there was any weird, you know, real angsty love interest in there. No. Uh, It was probably probably YA. So do you think, so I I just Googled this and I couldn't really find a good answer. Do you think there is a correlation between being an introvert and liking reading or and being an extrovert and not necessarily liking reading? I don't think so. You don't think so? No. Zero correlation. I don't think so. Interesting. Because I know people that are extroverts and like reading. Name one. (laughs) My dad. You think your dad's, dad's like an extrovert? the biggest extrovert. Really? Could be, yeah. Do you think he and I would get along? Probably. I think there's more of a correlation between people that can't focus their attention. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right here. I think that's more of the thing. I think you're probably right. If you can't sit down and focus your attention on a book for even more than 15 minutes, it's hard to get into a book. Like, the the way that the world is now, this is getting more of a serious conversation. Go on, bud. uh, I'm ready for a little hurt. (laughs) The way that TV culture is and uh, internet culture, your attention span is very small. And so when you're talking about film, say film, they talk about... How many times do you have to change a uh, scene or cut, cut from camera to camera to keep people's attention? And because I think it's like seven like seconds. Done with it. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Seven, you said? Yeah. Seven total scenes. Seven seconds. Oh, seven seconds. Yes. Otherwise, you'll lose people's interest. You're not talking about camera angles. You're talking about scenes. I'm ta- talking about camera angles. Oh, so camera when you're talking, angles. Okay, okay. It'll change. Seven seconds is the max that you can hold someone's attention for. So say you, you watch a like Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah. Sometimes he'll have a single dialogue scene for like 15 minutes and people will say, oh, it's so boring and slow. One of the reasons you're noticing that is it's not that quick cut from camera to camera. Yeah. Which is... Uh, which people don't even notice. People don't they even just, notice. They just assume... But that's just how everything is. You watch commercials, you watch films, you watch TV, you go on the internet. Everything's so like brief. When it's not it, yeah. that's when it's jarring. Yeah. Um, so uh, how yeah. many times have you watched a show on TV? Lots of times. And not... <laughs> Look at your phone during it. Well, I just look at my phone all the time. <laughs> exactly. Because one thing can't hold our attention. So uh, when you're in a book, yes. there's no there's no phone. There's no you can't like dual concentrate when you're in a book. Yeah. So I think that attention span is what makes reading hard now. So I'm wearing I wear glasses. When mm-hmm. you met me, I didn't used to wear glasses. Yeah. I've had an astigmatism mm-hmm. likely my entire life. That went relatively undiagnosed until I was like 25. <laughs> wow. So between that and then like allergies and ADD. <laughs> You're like screw reading. <laughs> I'm big time like screw reading. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this hurt, this hurt, I ain't got time for this. Yeah. I think reading is a good practice for curving that though. Curving? Yeah. Like Ch- Changing like, the course of it? Yeah. Like, oh, like okay. making yourself focus on something for say even 30 minutes to sit down and read something for even 15 20 minutes people are like does an instruction booklet count no but that vacuum instruction manual actually that one taught me that nobody sucks better than that dyson ball (laughs) the guy that cut you off in line he He doesn't suck but not as much (laughs) (laughs) Um, well let's curve this back towards drinks I mean, this is what drinking is all about. Yeah. Just two dudes hanging out, talking about the RPG that they're going to play next week. <laughs> so in your deep dive into Jerry Thomas, did you do you remember anything else interesting? I know his... he. I know how he died. He died kind of broke because Oh, he, I didn't know he was broke. He got into trying to make money on Wall Street. Oh. He made a lot of bad decisions. And then by the end of his life, he basically had no money. So he was working a shift like midday, didn't feel good, went to his apartment and basically died of a stroke. Interesting. Sucks. That's a bad way to go. Yeah. I just found something interesting about him. He uh, went to bare knuckle prize fights a lot, but he was, uh, he was a, he was a lighter member of the Fat Men's Association. Apparently he was 205 pounds. What? What's the Fat Men's Association? I have no idea, but he had a side interest in gourds. Gord? And he was the president of the Gord Club after producing the largest specimen. Uh, I didn't... I, so... <laughs> I'm just, I just have to process this for a bit. So it's not like he invented these associations. <laughs> no, he was part of them. He was just an eccentric that was also a part of them. Yeah. He was like a level 33rd mason, mm-hmm. level 33 mason or some shit. I mean, that kind of sounds like an RPG, like the RPG that we're going to play next week. <laughs> Like what you know? What do you get to when you're level five? Of what the Gourds Association? No, no. Be, of course, you get a big pumpkin at level five in the yeah. Gourds Association. But no, as a Mason, I'm like, do you get anything cool? Yeah, I don't know. Should we cold call them? Hi, <laughs> hey, just wondering. Yes. Hey, it's Andy and Justin from Snackdown. We're level four Masons. We just want to know what happens at level five. Anyway. Well, so which one was your favorite? Absinthe, just straight absinthe with sugar. <laughs> Or uh, a blueberry white lion. These were two totally different beasts, and we sought them for very different reasons. I don't think we could put them in the same category. Yeah, we can't. Therefore, I will not judge them against each other. 
I think they were both beautiful in their own way. Mm-hmm. I would gladly try both of them again. Yeah, they're both pretty good. Right? I would like to try the first one with maybe not blueberry, <laughs> maybe like a straight raspberry. The first one. Oh, oh, the, the second uh, one. The second one. Yeah, 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 second one with raspberry. Yeah, I mean, I think it was good though. I think the blueberry raspberry combination was pretty good, and the blueberry maybe for some weird reason went well with blue curacao, even though blue is just coloring. Yes. <laughs> yes, I think you're right. Uh, I think I think these were both fantastic drinks. I don't think they 100% highlighted his life. No. I think I think they were a little weird. I think they were a little earlier, you know, 1870s getting into the kind of the wild times in terms mm-hmm. of bartending. Honestly, it's like some of the the cocktails that we could have done, we've already done. Yes. We might not have done them in his recipe, his original recipe, but we've done a lot of similar ones. So we were trying to find out some that we haven't done. So we were just trying to go obscure with it. Mm-hmm. So the White Lion was pretty obscure. White Lion was pretty obscure. I really liked it. It was pretty good. It was that's something that's something sour, that I do want. Kind of, but it wasn't too sour. Not sour tart. I'm thinking it was a little tart. A little tart, but a little bit sweet. It was kind of. I'm not gonna say refreshing. It just hit the spot. Honestly, I feel like for some reason I think if it was in a different glass, I would have liked it more. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Like, like in a, a martini uh, glass, or maybe like a more tropical glass. Yeah. Marcus would appreciate that comment. Yeah. <laughs> Our Dutch friend, it's all about the glass. The glass man. He's definitely a glass man, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Glasses. Uh, so what did you think about the blue curacao? Fine. Yeah, it's not. It's uh, if I were weird. to do a shot of it, I would want it cold, very cold. Yeah. It's very, the smell is very Fruit Loopsy, but it does have a... <laughs> don't, don't look at me seriously and say Fruit Loopsy. <laughs> okay. You can't do that anymore. We're going to drink absinthe and get real Fruit Loopsy. <laughs> um, but yeah, it does have that kind of bitter orange taste to it, but very it's got a very artificial sweet taste to it. It just has a rind flavor, mm-hmm. or an artificial sweetness. It's not heavy on like the actual orange fruit flavor, mm-hmm. um, but it does just have kind of a nice, you know, fine artificial sweetness to it. I saw a recipe that said you could substitute this for triple sec, and I don't believe that. No. No. <laughs> You would have to do like just a tiny bit of triple sec and then honestly put just like an actual orange rind in there. Yeah. In my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then honestly, just probably some, probably like a little bit of corn syrup. Like, can you imagine this in, gonna a mar- be in a margarita? No. No. Do people put curacao in there? I don't know. You, heard, you like how I said it correctly? Yeah, that was nice. You didn't say it correctly for the past couple of minutes. I, I've still been saying it like I, <laughs> I always have. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just going to be condescending to you. <laughs> Next couple of minutes, I guess. Oh, we'll close out. Yeah. Fun. This is this is a fun day. I know it was like it was like, hey, pick a couple drinks out of like the two hundred and fifty drinks that he posted up. We should post the link um just for the, the drinking book or like the book itself, like the PDF version. Yeah. It's free. You can just kind of flip it's through kind of it. fun. Yeah. And just know that anytime it says D O, it's ditto. And yeah. anytime it says wine glass, it's two ounces. And his uh so there's sections like juleps fizzes and stuff like that and he'll put a lot of he'll put a little descriptions of the drinks in some of the sections yeah and they're kind of interesting like a little bit of history and the way he writes is kind of funny one of the other things that was kind of cool was uh if it was a drink that he could tell where he got the drink from the drink Mm -hmm. idea from he attributed it to that person and a lot of them were lawyers did you notice that no yeah so like it all has esq at the end of the people's names it's like yeah so like there was a time he's like well i got this recipe from you know john doylan esq you know it was just like kind of odd but uh i want to be an esq without being a lawyer do you yeah why be justin esquire why? You could just change your last name to Esquire. Because Sometimes you just people, said Justin Esquire. You, you always change the beginning of your name, right? You what? get your misters, then you can like add your doctors on there. Yeah. You don't get to add the end a lot. How would you how would you use that? Could you be a doctor Esquire? Yeah, doctor lawyer? A doctor and a lawyer. Yeah. Not a both. lawyer for doctors. Can you imagine? No. It doesn't sound fun. <laughs> no, your whole life is just attaining what? Five letters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A DR and an ESQ. Well, MD, yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, MD, I mean, you could do a DR yeah. and MD, right? Yeah. That's like seven letters. That's seven letters. And how many years is that? <laughs> a lot. Un- undergrad, three years of law school, depends on in terms of med school. Med school. You're talking at least 10 years. Yeah. Bad idea. <laughs> it's more, more than a year per letter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not about that. No. So, well... This was fun. I liked it. I really do recommend that people try the White Lion. Yeah, White Lion. So rum, lime juice, 
Curacao. Nope. Rum, lime juice, curacao. Hey. Hey. There we go. Some raspberry syrup or blahberry syrup like us. (laughs) (laughs) Blah, blah, blahberry syrup. I think that's it. Uh, Oh, sugar. Sugar. Yeah. And love or friendship. A little bit of love and friendship. And an RPG drinking game. Yeah. (laughs) And if you live in the Bronx, go uh, get a rubbing of Jerry Thomas's grave. And maybe if there's no cops looking, maybe you're doing a blue blazer right in front of the grave. Yeah. I think he'd appreciate that. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to see what his lineage looks like. Yeah. Maybe get some uh, great-grandbabies or great-great-great-grandbabies. Maybe they're all doing the blue blazers out there. Yeah. Maybe just one. Maybe the other ones are responsible or afraid of fire. All his sons have, like, burnt scars on yeah. their arms got, for like, trying yeah. to do the blue blazer. Yep. They've got, like, uh, yeah. Third degree, fourth degree burns. Skin grafting runs in the family. <laughs> yeah. So, All right. Well... Let's uh let's call it out and uh thanks for joining us. I mean it was yeah. it was a lot of fun and yeah. um look forward to seeing you guys next week. Yeah. Thanks for the- Yeah. <laughs> thanks guys. Thanks for listening today. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter and you can find this episode and others like it on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify and a bunch of other places. You can go to our website at www.snackdownpod.com. You can support us on patreon.com/snackdown. You can also always send us snacks. We're always looking for those in the mail. And you can call us and leave us a voicemail about anything you want at 315-313-5456. Blaze you later. Put on your blue blazer and go to your local speakeasy and drink one for Jerry Thomas. (laughs) Yeah, that's perfect. (laughs) Assuming there's like good COVID regulations and good social distancing. Exactly, yeah. Honestly, one of the best ways to social distance is really just making a blue blazer and just walking around. People will want to stay way far away probably be attracted to you but Mm -hmm. also a good six feet yeah don't make a blue blazer in your house though that's a no big no no yes right right we did not make it here you should not make it there yeah we're not going to be just an esq supporting us in the court of law against you who made an (laughs) awful decision bye bye Are you playing Snackdown with me? Maybe. Playing, playing Snackdown? Snack <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say something, Justin. <laughs> Kira Sal!